Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Product Management Mastermind, a community for PMs to get advice, share advice, and build relationships. Today, we have a special session on AI, ML, product management, what makes it unique, and what areas you need to focus on to improve your skills in this area. Today, we are very, very grateful to have Dr. Marilee Nika here with us to share her wisdom. Um, so just to let you all know the format for today's discussion, we're going to start with some initial questions that we've sort of planned out for Dr. Marilee here. And then we will move into Q&A from our community. Um, if you are just hearing us for the first time, the Product Management Mastermind community has just recently grown to 10,000 members on LinkedIn. We encourage you to find us on LinkedIn and join the community. So before we jump in, we'll do some quick intros. Again, my name is Felix. I am the Product Management Mastermind founder. I have here with me Akshay and Jayanth, who are also leading the community with me. Uh, my background, I've been a product manager for about five years now. Previous to that was a computer engineer for about five years, and I used a, an MBA to make the pivot from engineering to product manager. I started this community because I love helping other PMs learn and grow and connect. I find that it was the most impactful way that I grew in my career. So I try to facilitate that through this community. Um, and with that, I'll hand it off to Akshaya to do a quick intro. Thank you, Felix. Uh, my name is Akshaya. Um, I'm currently a PM at Wish. Uh, my journey into product actually started um, with me graduating and starting a job as a hardware engineer, taking a little break at project, project management, and then eventually landing a role in product. Um, for me, uh, outside of work, I guess I am a part of this community, but I also am very huge on mentorship and networking on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy to be here speaking with you today. And I'll pass it off to Jayant. Hey guys, um, really excited to chat with you, Dr. Nika, today. Um, I'm Jant. I'm a product manager at Capital One, working on our uh, internal fraud and risk, de risk detection services. Um, similar to Felix and Akshaya, I have a mixed uh, engineering and UX research background. That was kind of my tangent before jumping over into product. Um, like Felix, uh, I, I love helping other people level up in their product management careers or break into the field. And uh, groups like the Master, PM Mastermind, as well as others, are uh, my way to help, uh, help others grow in their careers. Um, really excited to participate, and um, I'll kick it off to Felix to introduce our special guest. As I was mentioning, we're super excited to have Marilee here with us today to share her wisdom from 10 years of experience bringing AI products to life at companies like Google and now Meta. Uh, so Marilee, would you like to tell us a little bit more about your journey into product and AI product management? Yeah, sounds good. And hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. By the way, I have to say, I just love your community. And Felix and I met through Clubhouse. I think you were hosting some some meetings there. Um, so yes, I'm early. I um, have a PhD in machine learning. And after graduating from my PhD, I thought that, you know, the natural path would be for me to become a data scientist or a machine learning engineer. Until someone said, hey, there's this role, it's called product management. And I had no idea what that was. That was 10 years ago. I didn't know what it was. Um, ended up joining Google in a different ladder. Um, but then this, this person had stuck to me. I said, product management, I need to look into it. And as I was working at Google, I just 
figured out what it was and I was just mesmerized. I said, oh my God, this is the best thing that has happened. I need to become a product manager. So I actually switched ladders within Google. They had this great PM rotation program. So I could kind of try to be a PM for like six months, see if I like it, see if it liked me. And then I eventually interviewed and converted internally. Um, and I've been a PM since then, and it's, it's the best decision I ever made. Nice. That's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. And that is a really fun fact. You were our guest speaker on the very first product management mastermind session. I believe it was almost three years ago now on Clubhouse. I was like one of the first conversations we ever had, I think, kind of open with the community. So yeah, oh fun God. fact. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe it's been three years since the, the boom of Clubhouse. Oh yeah, my God. Crazy. Wow. Um, okay. Well, with that, let's jump in. Um, I'll hand it off to Akshay to get our conversation started. Yes. Thank you, Felix. And Marilee, thanks again for joining us tonight. So let's jump right into some of the questions that we have for you. Um, so for the next 20-ish minutes, we'll be diving into the questions that we have, and then we'll go through some of the Q and uh, questions our audience has submitted through um, the LinkedIn community. So first off, setting the scene, how would you define AI ML product management and maybe also help our audience understand AI and ML and why those terms are often used interchangeably? Yep, this is a great question. So a generalist PM helps their team and their company build and ship the right product. So it's all about coming up with ideas and then being able to get market validation, finding the right user, creating an MVP, executing and so on. Now in AI PM, you help your team and your company solve the right problem. So you have a team of research scientists or machine learning engineers, and essentially you want to tell them, hey, I have this crazy idea about an app, but I don't know if that's even possible. So in AI MLPM, you're trying to find the middle ground of whether what you have in mind is kind of a viable business, whether it's feasible technically, and whether people would want it. So it's like building products from zero to one, but with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions in there. So you're trying to figure out whether your crazy idea um, is even a thing. Here's a good example. I was um, walking down, down San Francisco the other day and I saw someone wearing a t-shirt that I really liked, but obviously you cannot just walk up to people and just ask, hey, where do you get this from? So I was thinking to myself, it would be amazing if there would be a way for me to I mean, this is also creepy, but it's good for the example. If I could take a photo of them and kind of have the photo search the web for that exact t-shirt and tell me where to purchase it from. So this is the kind of crazy ideas you come up with as a PM. Um, and then I would go to a research scientist in my team and say, hey, can we create a model that takes as an input a photo and the output being where I can buy the assets that you can derive from that photo? And then there's a lot of zero to one grad work, finding product market fit, making sure if people would actually pay, figuring out what on earth quality would mean um, in there and so on. Um, and to, to answer the second question around AI and ML and the difference, AI is kind of the, the overall area and the bubble of, hey, being able to insert intelligence into a program. And the machine learning is the algorithm that is able to make us, give us the possibility to actually do so. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for answering that, Marilee. Um, you know, a lot of what you said sounds, you know, 
very similar to what a lot of product managers that might not be in the AI and ML field, a lot of like what they're actually doing on a on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, it feels like um, there's this inaccurate assumption that if you want to be an AI or ML product manager, you have to write your, you know, you, you, you've done your own machine learning models. Uh, you can do all of the math behind, you know, uh, understanding how those models are generated. Um, can you talk a little bit more about this and what a product manager in this space, you know, actually has to know in order to be able to do, do their day-to-day? Yes. And this is a great question. And actually I am teaching a course. Um, it's been two years that I've been teaching it. It's called AI product management. It's, um, it's available on Maven live and offline on my website, marilynega.com. And essentially what I'm telling people is, Hey, you don't need to code to be an AIPM. You don't need a software engineering background. You don't need a machine learning PhD. You just need to understand the basics of machine learning. What does training mean? What can you do when it comes to enhancing your product with AI? And the answer is you can add personalization. You can add recommendation. You can add automation. So anything we see, for example, if we're watching Netflix and then at the end of the show, you get a a pop-up saying, hey, you just finished watching Stranger Things. Now we believe you would like Umbrella Academy instead of like some romantic comedy or something like this. So the answer is you don't need a technical background. You just need to have a passion about learning new things and you need to just don't be overwhelmed or scared or anything like that. These are just biases. It's not... If anything, I have a technical background and I needed to forget what I knew in order to be able to to do the strategic work required when you're an AIPM versus the actual coding and so on. Awesome. Thank you for jumping in there. I I think you call out a couple things that maybe we could double click on for our audience. One thing you mentioned was about sort of quality, right? Um, When you were talking about sort of coming up with these ideas and going to your research scientist to understand, you know, how do we go and build this new thing? Can you talk a little bit about some of like the core tenants for AIML, like quality and, and some of these other aspects that you mentioned? Yes. Quality is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to being a product manager within the AI, AI ML space. This is because it's just not tangible. You cannot measure it from the user perspective. What does this mean? In my example about me taking a photo of a t-shirt and being able to get as an output the website of where I can purchase that t-shirt, the research scientists will train a model and they will come to me and they will say, hey, I trained this model but it only works seven out of 10 times. And then it's up to me to say, is that good enough? Is that going to be a bad experience? And this is where strategy comes in. And you're looking at strategy for the business on its whole and you say, well, am I going to be the first company in the world to bring in something like this? Or am I going to be like the second or the third or the fourth? If you are the first, there you're, then you're kind of the pioneer and you want to launch something that's you know good enough, but you want to be the first. You want to be the innovator, innovative person so that you can create a user base and then you get more data and you improve your model so you improve the quality. But then if you're kind of the second or the third company building it, you do want to at the very least meet the bar of anyone else that has launched it. So if you're in AIML, strategy is a huge part. 
and the responsibility is also very, very high because you will need to set, um, to make strategic decisions like this. Also, you need to understand what quality means and that it's not a matter of just waiting so that you can increase the quality. Sometimes you may need to launch a feature for you to get more data in order to improve it. Like sometimes there's just a dead end. There's nothing you can do other than accept that minimum bar. So um, lots of strategy, lots of decisions, and it's all in the PM. And that's what makes awesome that role. Awesome. Thank you for breaking that down for us. And actually along those lines, um, you've mentioned some like what ways of measuring the model model's performance, for example, saying it's right X, X many times out of, let's say 10 versus also making a strategic decision on when to say, hey, this is a dead end or hey, this is actually working well, let's go to the next step. So I guess, could you help us better understand what metrics product managers should be focusing on to better understand the success of their ML product, especially given um, that such solutions can be very iterative and oftentimes lead to a dead end. So how do you kind of think through that or help our um, community think through that? At the end of the day, the reason you're coming up with a solution that leverages AI models is because of some goal you have. So you do need to treat this question like every other product problem. For example, am I trying to increase retention? Am I trying, am I a PM on Netflix and I'm trying to just literally keep people binge watching for as much as I can? Um, or am I starting scratching something from scratch and a completely zero to one product and I just want to find product market fit? So if it's the first, you you look at the model quality to be good enough and you can do like an A-B test and say, okay, I'm going to launch this in like 5% of the population and I'm going to look out for the metric which I care about, like retention for the example of Netflix. Um, and then if that feature actually moves the needle, then it means, okay, this is a good feature. I should definitely launch it to the entire population. If not, then you should probably say, okay, maybe my AI enabled feature is not going to do anything. Um, for the other example, the zero to one, this is where it's more the more strategic decision that I was talking about before. Um, but as I teach on my course, on every decision you need to make in AI PM, needs to be a holistic decision for all the standard metrics we know, like engagement, retention. Um, and I had a student the other day and they said, why do I care about the standard PM metrics if I'm, a if I'm an AI ML PM? And I said, because it all comes down to the user, right? We need to satisfy our users, solve their pain points and make sure we have smart solutions in doing so. So I hope this helps. So Marilee, I have a, a, a follow-up question based on this um so you know i've done a couple of like ml side projects and you know um taken taken a couple of courses here and there around it and i'm just curious um you know when you're when you're taking kind of those courses where they're more theoretical right where they're trying to teach you hey like here's how you would build um you know you, you would build a linear regression for example which is a very simple model that you could do or whatever right um they walk through metrics on their side, right? Um, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it just for our audience, but you could have a confusion matrix where it's talking about, you know, your true positives that you have or your false positives and, and so on. Or uh, there's other metrics like ROC or um, stuff like that. How do you reconcile kind of like for me, I've always struggled when I'm doing ML at my job of like, 
what's actually a good number for that? Because like, for example, with a lot of those numbers in your project, like you're trying to get it to a hundred percent, you know, which you're never going to be able to do. So how do you reconcile your, your college ML 101 class with reality, you know? Well, that's the thing. You need to realize that you don't need to know all these things. You just leave it to the engineers. You leave it to the scientists. What you need to care about is what affects the users. If the quality, if seven out of the 10 times I'm going to have an amazing quality and then three out of the 10 times it's just going to be an awful user experience, then that's what matters. Um, so you have, as I said, like you need to set your priorities and you shouldn't do the job of the engineers for them. You know, so you kind of let go and you learn how to manage the product and the AI problem rather than the model training itself. And it's it's difficult if you've done it before and you know how to do it, you kind of want to, you know, roll up your sleeves and get your hands there dirty, but this can backfire as well. Um, I've, as I said, like when I started off, I was very, very, you know, I just recent grad from my PhD um, and I realized, okay, I'm going to focus on my, strategic stuff. I'm not going to do the, the actual training. Um, so yeah, user focus metrics and only care about metrics that affect the user experience, which is false accepts, false rejects. Thanks, Marilee. That makes sense. Awesome. I think, uh, the next question sort of is in a line with this, right? But <clears throat> when we're talking about success, you know, this brings me back to just the overall life cycle for a product and how you go from, you know, launch to at Google, we say, you know, it's not finished till you land it. So you're actually looking at success and things like that. Um, so for ML, what's the product life cycle like, right? How does it differ from, you know, maybe more traditional agile product development? Um, is there anything that, you know, PMs need to really keep in mind when it comes to this, this overall life cycle for an ML product? This is a great question. From my personal experience, there is a trap. The trap is you will have a data scientist team and you will have an engineering team and you're going to kind of try to see what you can leverage that they produce in order to bring some nice experience to life that fits in with the overall business goals. Now, the trap is something I call the shiny object trap. So you do not want to be building AI ML features for the sake of AI ML, right? Um, just setting this aside, parentheses, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching young startup founders and, 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 um, and this person came to me the other day and said, hey, I have this startup and we we create fantastic like vacation bundles and so on and i want to use ml and ai ml and i said do you have something that works right now he's like no but i want to use ai ml to make it work and i said no 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 no. never use ai ml on your mvp start by faking something getting product market fit first and then after you have a lot of data and it scales then you get ai ml to improve the matching so the first part of the product development lifecycle is making sure you work with your team in order to find the need in the market. Whereas if you start with a generic product, you come up with an idea for something that exists as a pain point. So the difference is you already have a team, but you need to give them a problem that is um, something that actually exists in the world. So it's kind of a bit more complicated because the beginning can can set you up for failure. So you need to make sure you are set up for success. Um, other than that, 
the finding product market fit is more in line with zero to one products where you just start from scratch. You have extra challenges like not having enough data is a challenge, figuring out where on earth to get data, figuring out what quality is, figuring out if your MVP is going to have um, AI ML or if it's not going to have AI ML. Um, but, you know, every single step is kind of sprinkled in with some extra challenges, um, but that makes the landing better and sweeter. So that's that's kind of it. You manage the problem rather than the product along the way. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we would be... Oh, go ahead, Felix. <laughs> awesome. Um, I was just going to say, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about all of the gener generative AI um, stuff that's going around, especially with ChatGPT, Stable Diffusion, OpenAI's DALI. Um, what are your thoughts around some of these enhancements and how they would basically change the product, like change product development landscape in the future? So with ChatGPT, I make more for less, meaning I work more efficiently for less amount of time. I make, I create better documentation and better texts without having to use my brain as much. Um, and I don't know, I just feel I'm smarter or I come across as smarter with ChatGPT. And, um, and I was I was just reading this article three days ago that said, oh, ChatGPT will take our jobs. And I'm like, oh my God, no, ChatGPT makes my job so much easier. And it makes me work more effectively and more efficiently and speak in a better way at the presentation because every single thing I put together, if I pass it on to ChatGPT, it is going to make it better 100% of the time. So on my day-to-day, -day, I'm coming up with a pitch deck and I will add in the title on ChatGPT. It's going to make it better for me. I'm looking for a nice bio prop so that I can get stakeholders excited for my idea. And it is like, oh, you know, it's improving. It's like, we're going to change the lives by, you know, introducing fitness to the day-to-day. -day, da, da, da. It's just so much better. Um, but it also saves time because when I'm looking for you know, what is my audience? Who do I want to um, focus on? It's going to give me a list of 10 user personas that are like very well thought out with like percentages for the country. It's just Google and intelligence all at one meshed up. Um, so yeah, it's the best and I do more for less and it's it's great. Definitely agree with that. <laughs> and I'll pass it off to Jayan. Yeah, Marley, we have one uh, one last question before we jump into the uh audience questions here and um i think you've kind of answered this but would love to get your take on it when do you know when machine learning is the right solution for a problem how do you how do you assess that especially you know when you're going back to your startup founders example when you're working with some of these folks like how do you make that recommendation it all comes down to these use cases do you need to sprinkle in personalization recommendation suggestion, matching. It's usually within these this realm where you will need AI ML. Now, it's so important to experiment and to do these A-B tests I talked about because even if, you know, in theory, everything sounds so much better with AI, the, the, this, the actual practice may not be the same. Um, here's an example. I was using, I had downloaded this custom keyboard for my iPhone. And I was using it for so long, it 
I, I swear it could predict what I wanted to say. And I was just typing one one character and it would just fill out the entire sentence. I'm like, yes, this is great. And then they had a pop-up to say, hey, we're testing out an algorithm to make typing smarter or something like that. Do you want to opt in? I'm like, yes, I'm going to opt in. And the second I opted in, it was just awful. I was just sending typos to everyone and it was just writing jokes. It was just awful, awful. And I could not revert back to, to my previous version. So AIML is not always great. And then AIML improvements to your existing AIML may be bad. So my advice to people is if you want to use AIML, be ready to roll back immediately if something goes bad. And don't be greedy. If you have something that's good enough, just don't touch it. Just maintain it. You don't need to make sure to go from like that 8.10, uh, 8 out of 10 um, quality to 8.5 out of 10. So um, AIML does not mean better, but it does mean cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Marilee. That That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to hand it out to Felix to go through some of our audience questions here. Absolutely. So again, thanks so much, Marilee, for being with us. We did reach out to our product management mastermind community to see if they had any questions for you regarding AIML. And we got a few good ones here. So I'll start off with a question from uh, Brandon in Canada. He wants to know, how do you get around the misconceptions in the market around AI? Uh, I think what he's saying here is essentially, you know, some people just don't really trust it. They don't really believe in it. Um, and so he wants to know what strategies or tactics have you used to persuade users uh, who are unfamiliar with AI methods to gain more trust in the technology? So we're talking about end users, you know, being skeptical about AI capabilities. Uh, is there anything you would share? Yes. Like everything else, whenever we're introducing a change in the day-to-day -day or the routine of someone, people are going to react. This is like the very first thing. I remember when um, iPhone came out and Steve Jobs was holding it on the presentation. He's like, hey, here's iPhone. Oh, there's no keyboard. Everyone was just, they, they were like, oh my God, what is this? How am I going to use my phone without a keyboard? It's going to break. It's going to be full of fingerprints, da, da, da. Now show me one person that has um, an iPhone with a keyboard. So the answer is you need to expect a reaction and you need to kind of deflate it as much as you can early on. Good strategies are help sender articles. Just write an article to say, hey, here's how this works. Number two, give controls to people and tell them, hey, whatever you opt in, you can opt out from. Any data we collect, we can delete it for you. So give them the power, give them the reassurance and also be able to explain what they're going to gain if they obtain or if they are going to use this AIML model. Um, and I think it's all, it's like all other things. Just um, there are people that are more you know, innovation friendly and they do want to gadget friendly and they do want to try new things and they're just late adopters. So when you create your product, make sure to target the right audience, especially if it's like very, very niche um, AI algorithm there. Thanks, Marilee. Um, we have a second question from Brandon. And um, he wanted to ask, what's your approach to prioritizing features on deep learning products? You know, and in a lot of these uh, deep learning models, the 
performance impact is often unknown just because the you know deep learning can be a lot pretty iterative and, and experimental in nature yes and when it comes to this, you always stick to the standard prioritization model, which is um, ease of implementation and user satisfaction. So you want to do the list possible that you can in order to achieve the possible, the maximum possible um, happy users. And of course, there are so many challenges in AI ML, like you are going to spend weeks training models, or you're going to wait around for weeks until you can get the very first iteration, depending on what it is, how much data you have and so on. So it always comes down to ease of implementation, but here it translates to actually, um, you know, how long it's going to take to train, how much data you need, how long you need to collect the data and so on. Now, um, I really like the RICE um, scoring model, the prioritization model. So you have like the reach, you have impact, you have confidence. Um, and then you divide it um, by E. I don't know. Are you guys aware of this? The the rice prioritization model. Yeah, rice is yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, um, we'll probably put a link to that yeah. as well. Yeah. So you can kind of figure out a way to adopt it um, when it comes to it. But I think the most important is what's under kind of the the divide, um, which is the effort. Effort meaning AI training, how long it's going to take. And mind you, it costs a lot of money to collect data. It costs a lot of money and effort um, to train models. Um, and speaking of um, generative AI, I'm sure you all tried out the Lensa app where you could generate models of yourselves. Um, and the thing is, you go in the app and you, you upload photos of yourself and they say, hey, give us money because we just cannot train this model unless we have you know, all this huge computational power and it costs money. So... Um, you know, you even put money in so that they train the photos for you. So effort in AI means money, time, headcount, um, and effort, effort generally. So effort and user, user impact. Awesome. Thank you for answering that, Marilee. And the last question that we're going to take from the community is actually a personal question, question of mine, because I work um, uh, with a lot of... Um, data scientists on different types of ML models for listing quality and compliance at Wish. So with all this conversation, again, around gener generative AI, I've been thinking about how we could kind of leverage some of the, um, in a sense, open source models that are um, put out there for the problems that I um, set out to solve as a product manager. And oftentimes I find that I, I'm not the expert on the AI or ML, as you said, and as a product manager, I don't need to be, but I do want to be aware of such solutions and ensure we consider them. So do you have any tips for product managers on thinking through innovative ways of leveraging some of these um, things that are coming out from other companies or just posted online as open source um, to be able to use uh, some of this to creatively solve problems for their customers? This is a good question, and I think I will answer it in a different way. I think it comes down to making trade-offs. So when you're in AI ML, trade-offs are like even more important than previously and even more challenging. So I think when you have a problem at hand and you're like, hey, there's a t-shirt and I want to be able to see where I can buy that t-shirt from, from the photo. Um, and there are many different ways to go about doing it. Obviously, you can go to your engineers and say, hey, there's this cool technology that can do this, but 
you can come up with more ways that I can achieve this, that I, as a PM, do not have the knowledge. I've never seen it before. Um, and then they can come to you with all these different options and you you can kind of assess the trade-offs together. Trade-offs can be um, cost, how long it's going to take, quality, the niche, whether it's research or whether it's been proven, experimentation, and so on. Um, so yeah, trade-offs, very, very difficult to achieve. Um, and I guess the follow-up um, to this is how on earth do we keep up to these new niche areas and, and technologies that can come up? And um, what I recommend is subscribing to daily newsletters, daily, not weekly, daily newsletters. So, and make it part of your day-to-day. Seriously, just go in, see what's the latest. And um, there is a good example that I love. It's called The Download by MIT Technology Review or TLDR. They're not necessarily necessarily AI-centric, but nowadays, if you go there, all you'll see is like, oh, generative AI and what it is. Is it going to take our jobs and so on? So um, latest developments in tech, and I recommend people just to, to get out there. Also, one last thing, don't be afraid to read through research articles as well, because this is where you'll find the cool stuff that haven't been hitting the market yet. So Archive is a good place. Um for research that's published and Google had a great research blog as well. And Meta, of course. Hey, one thing um, I'll, I'll quickly plug for, for people trying to find news, um, techmeme.com is really great. They aggregate a lot of um, other news websites. So they try to get you like, okay, what's the top five, 10 articles that you should be reading. Um, in addition to that, um, going to your uh, point, Marilee, about reading research articles. Um, Research articles can be dense. And one thing I learned um, from my degree is actually how to read research articles. So can you give maybe like a two minute primer of if someone is looking at a research paper, how they should be reading it and what they should look for? Abstract, always the abstract. You see what people are trying to do and then skip the middle and go to the, the end of the abstract. So, hey, in this article, we're gonna try to assess whether using this technology to this amount of people for this experiment is gonna and then they have the hypothesis and then at the end they're like actually we found nothing or actually this worked and then if you do get access to the full um article because sometimes it's not publicly available go at the very end of the research article which is the conclusion or the summary skip the rest the rest is like methodology um, not that, I mean, don't skip it if you're interested in learning how they did it. But if you read through everything, you're just not going to get through even two within I don't know, 10 minutes. So, yeah, the abstract is a fantastic way to see. Um, and also, like the company websites and blogs like Google and Meta, they have a great explanation that's a bit less technical, less mathematical. Um, that I think is, is great to scan through. All awesome. right. Awesome. Let's definitely check that out. Um, so bonus round before we wrap up, okay. I thought it would be fun if we just did like a rapid fire, get to know Dr. Marilee for like a few minutes. You, you cool with that? I promise. No, no hard ones. It should be all really easy. Let's do it. Let's do it. All, all right. right. Let's do it. Okay. Read a book or watch TV slash a movie. TV movie, I would say. Okay. I read too much all day. <laughs> okay, that's good. So what's the last, uh, I guess, thing that you watched that you would recommend? Or what's top of mind? The White Lotus. The White Lotus. I'm just obsessed with that show, especially season two. Mind-blowing. 
and the music as well is now playing everywhere. It's going viral. So yeah, White Lotus, watch it. It's amazing. Okay, White Lotus. I have not watched that one. I'll add it to my list. All right, next one. Beach versus mountains. Beach. I am Greek. Um, I grew up by the beach. It's just, there's no question there. Nice, nice. So I'm thinking, what, Santorini is your recommendation? Santorini for sure, but not just Santorini. Like every island um, okay. in Greece is beautiful. Santorini is the most popular one, but there are, there are others that are equal as to as how much pretty they are, but even better. What's the last beach you visited? Last beach I visited, it's in Corinth, which is in the Peloponnese, and it's not an island, but it's just gorgeous. So if people want to go to Athens, do a little. Um, road trip it's just an hour away from Athens so it's super good nice okay last one we're talking AIML so I have to ask when's the last time you used ChatGPT and what did you use it for it was like 10 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) well 10 minutes before our our talk um it's because I'm preparing for my new cohort for the AIPM course and it's going to be on February 6th and I wanted to send out an email welcoming everyone that has signed up um and I just wrote something nice, but I put it on ChatGPT and it made it so much more welcoming and warm. And I'm like, so that's how I use it. That is awesome. That is a great way to use ChatGPT. Okay, sweet. Well, with that, uh, you know, thanks again for joining us, Marilee, drop, dropping all these gems, sharing your wisdom from over 10 years in AIML. We really appreciate it. Um, before we go, would you mind just sharing, you know, quickly again, more about your course, where people can find you? Yes, sounds good. So, I have a live, cor- a live course for AIML. It starts on February 6th. So you can just go on any of my profiles, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and you'll find a link to it on Ma- the Maven website. But I also have the same course on an offline version. You can find it on my website, marilynika.com. And or just reach out to me if you have any questions. I would love to, to network and meet more people that are passionate about AI. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you to to you again and to our community for listening in. This is one of our very first uh, sort of conversations that we are recording to share. So, um, you know, we're excited to be sharing more. And if anyone in the community has any ideas on a topic they want to hear about or questions that they want answered, we definitely encourage you to share them in our LinkedIn group. And uh, yeah. Before we head out, again, thanks so much for joining the Product Management Mastermind, a community for PMs to get advice, share advice, and build relationships. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Product Management Mastermind on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to leave us a rating and review so that we can reach more listeners. We appreciate your support.